This is Napkin Scribbles, a podcast by Arthur and Professor Leonard Sweet. Today's Napkin Scribble is sponsored by Portland Seminary of George Fox University. For more information, join them on the web at portlandseminary.org. Now here's Leonard Sweet. Welcome to our ninth season of Napkin Scribbles. We've been on a on a series of Greek words every Christian should know, Hebrew words every Christian should know, theological words every Christian should know. So this season, I thought what we do is have a little fun with some hymns every Christian should know. And we're, we're going to do 12, 13, 14, whatever, uh, hymns every Christian should know. And then we're going to follow it up with um, gospel songs I think every Christian should know. And they used to call these more uh, Sunday morning songs and Sunday evening songs. The Sunday morning songs were the hymns, and the Sunday evening songs were the, the gospel songs and the choruses. And, and so we're going to kind of continue that tradition. of So this series right now is, which we're welcoming you to, is this Sunday morning songs, the hymns, the great hymns that we lose at our peril as we move into, into the future. The other reason why, why music and song is so important and this whole realm of hymnody and, and praise music and, is that the vernacular of this digital culture has shifted from words to now, people, the language of this culture, if you want to communicate with this culture, you have to, it speaks in story and song. Uh, story and song. A narrative, and that narrative, though, has to have a soundtrack. And this is, this is, a, this is posing a problem for the church because we want a blueprint, but God gives us a story and a song instead. So I'm excited about this period because we're kind of rediscovering our roots here, our, our mother tongue, if you will, uh, the, the native language of the Christian faith. But uh, it's not easy for us because we spent 500 years with the idea that the, the key is points and propositions and blueprints and formulas and, and uh, all sorts of stuff like that. So we are now back in a way. We're back to the future, if you will. We want a blueprint, but God gives us a story and a song. We want a Lord's program, but God gives us a Lord's prayer. And by the way, prayers, you often enchant it. And you, 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 you can't have, for this culture, you can't enchant without a chant. And uh, the very word incarnation is an incantation because catechesis means literally to sound in someone's ear, to resound. You can't do catechesis without a cantor. So unification, harmony requires insonification. Every story needs a soundtrack. Every life builds a temple of sound. You, the culture is recognizing the importance of sound because songs are now an asset class. I mean, just like gold, real estate, equities, stocks, bonds, commodities, currencies, songs. You've got to add that to the list of gold and silver uh, and real estate. Bruce Springsteen sold his music catalog to Sony for what, $550 million? Uh, Songs are now 
a, an asset class. So this is the importance of music to this culture. And um, it has been, my tribe, the Wesleyan tribe, it has been, been key to who we are. In fact, the, the, the identification of Methodists in the 18th century, they were the noisy ones because they were always singing always making noise. In the 19th century, they were called shouting Methodists because they're always, uh, they have always got a song that, they're, that they're, they're singing. In the last days of his life, on his deathbed, in the ninth month of his 88th year, Wesley was writing and preparing to preach. And then he broke into song, a song his brother wrote, All Glory to God in the Sky. It was put to music by Lowell Mason, so we aren't sure what music, and Lowell Mason didn't live until the, uh, the 19th century, but we aren't, we aren't sure what music he, he sang it to. But I just wanted you to hear some of the, um, the words in, in his ninth month of his 88th year on his deathbed as he's preparing to preach one of his last sermons in his mind, this is what was on his lips. All glory to God in the sky and peace upon earth be restored. O Jesus, exalted on high, appear our omnipotent Lord, who meanly in Bethlehem born, did stoop to redeem a lost race once more to thy creatures return and reign in thy kingdom of grace. When thou in our flesh didst appear, all nature acknowledged thy birth, arose the acceptable year, and heaven was opened on earth. Receiving its Lord from above, the world was united to bless the giver of concord and love, the prince and the author of peace. Oh, wouldst thou again be made known, again in thy spirit descend and set up in each of thine own a kingdom that never shall end? Thou only art able to bless and make the glad nations obey and bid the dire enmity cease and bow the whole world to thy sway. Come then to thy servants again, who long thy appearing to know, thy quiet and peaceable reign and mercy establish below. All sorrow before thee shall fly, and anger and hatred be o'er, and envy and malice shall die, and discord afflict us no more. No horrid alarm of war shall break our eternal repose. No sound of the trumpet is there, where Jesus' spirit overflows, appeased by thy charms of thy grace. We all shall in amity join and kindly each other embrace and love with a passion like thine. First of all, the fact that, that Wesley knew this by memory, the fact that he, he knew his brother's hymns so well, his brother's hymns were basically his sermons put to music. And then just before he took his last breath, he ushered himself into eternity, singing this Isaac Watts hymn, I'll praise my maker while I've breath. And when my voice is lost in death, praise shall employ my nobler powers. My days of praise shall ne'er be passed while life and thought and being last or immortality endures. 
How happy they whose hopes rely on Israel's God, who made the sky and earth and seas with all their train, whose truth forever stands secure, who saves the oppressed and feeds the poor. And none shall find God's promise vain. The Lord pours eyesight on the blind. The Lord supports the fainting mind and sends the laboring conscience peace. God helps the stranger in distress, the widowed and the parentless, and grants the prisoner sweet release. And then again, the last stanza, as he's taking his final breaths, I'll praise my maker while I breath and when my voice is lost in death. Praise shall employ my nobler powers. My days of praise shall ne'er be past, while life and thought and being last, or immortality endures. John Wesley boasted about the Wesleyans. He said, our people die well. And part of dying well for Wesley was praising your maker with every breath, including your last ones, just as Jesus on the cross ushered himself into eternity, singing Psalm 22. So Wesley, and so we all. I don't know about you, but when it comes time for me to die, what is going to be on my lips is not going to be all of my theology and all of my books and all of my thoughts. and It's going to be a song. A simple song. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones, by little ones, weak ones, faint of heart ones, faint of spirit ones, faint of body ones, little ones to him belong. We are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. One of the reasons why we have such a problem with identity formation, what does it mean to have an identity as a follower of Jesus, is that we've so lost this component of song in our spiritual formation, our discipleship formation, our human formation. That's one of the things I admire most about the Amish people, not only the fact that they keep 97% of their kids. They're, can you imagine a retention rate of 97%? In other words, here is one of the strictest religions in terms of prohibitions, what you can do and can't do. And, but how do they keep their kids? Even when they go on Rumspringa, most of them come back and, and become part of the community. How does this happen? And at every, uh, first of all, there's an Amish table. They all gather at the table for meals every day, as many times as they can, morning, noon, and night. Even come home from the fields at noon. And at every Amish table, there are three books. One is, of course, the, the family Bible. One is the story of their ancestors. It's called um, Martyr's Mirror. 
But the third one is called the Ausbund. And this is the Amish hymn book, one of the oldest Christian songbooks in continuous use in existence. And at every meal, they sing a song. I love how Bill and Gloria Gaither, whether it's just the two of them or whether the whole family's there or an extended family's there, they begin every meal. Just one of them lines out of him and everybody comes in in harmony and sings together. And so in a world where story and song are so important, and yet in the, in the church, and the family of faith, we seem to be losing it. And one, one, some of the most endangered technologies in the church, you know what they are? Hymn boards. <laughs> When's the last time you saw a hymn board? They're, you can't even find them on, on antique markets because they're so sought after as antiques in the home. And how about offering plates? There, there's something, uh, there's an antique of the future. But hymns, we, we, we lose these hymns. At our, at our peril. And so this series of napkin scribbles is dedicated to. These are my recommendations on the hymns that every Christian should know and we should not lose and leave behind. Now, I wanna give thanks on this first one. I'll mention them again, but certain people have helped me put this list together and have helped my thoughts and shaped my thoughts on this. My brother John, Dr. John Sweet, he and his wife, Sharon Sweet, who's a world-famous opera diva, you can go to Spotify and listen to her, her music. They were very helpful in coming up with suggestions for every Christian should know. In researching these, I had some real, Don Haynes has just written a book um, on the history of hymnody. Michael Hahn knows more about, um, he teaches at Perkins the distinguished uh, professor uh, there uh, in, in the church music arena, he knows more about hymns than anybody else in existence. And these are the people I've learned from in preparing this, so I wanna uh, thank them from the very beginning. Um, Michael Hahn has, read, has written 500 articles on hymns, and I, I, I have only begun to, take, to make a bite into that rich uh, ore of gold and wisdom and knowledge. But I want to thank these people and I want to thank you, our Napkin Scribbles family, for listening and for being a part of this. And I'm excited to be on this journey together as we talk about Sunday morning songs or hymns every Christian should know. Thank you for listening to Napkin Scribbles. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with a friend today. Today's Napkin Scribbles was sponsored by Portland Seminary of George Fox University. For more information, join them on the web at portlandseminary.org. For Professor and Arthur Leonard Sweet, until next time, happy scratching and scribbling.